It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Kent Martin, founder, president, and CEO of Signature Custom Cabinetry. In 1981, Kent's grandfather passed away, leaving him some of his woodworking equipment. Shortly thereafter, he purchased a rental property where Kent was able to set up his woodworking shop, and that has been a lifelong passion ever since. In 1985, Kent joined Conestoga Wood Specialties as a door assembler in their production facility. He stayed there close to seven years and held various positions with the sales and marketing department. By 1989, he developed a vision to start his own cabinet manufacturing operation, and Signature Custom Cabinetry was born. After a year of operations, Signature outgrew the small workshop for their 10 employees, and today the company employs over 130 associates. Their mission is simple, build a great company by honoring God and serving people. In 2013, Kent bought back all the stock of Signature and is now the sole owner of the company. Kent Martin, welcome into the corner office. Hey, it's uh, good to be here, Brant. It's an honor to be here, and yeah, I appreciate it. Wonderful to have you. We were just talking a few minutes ago about some nice, warm Indian summer days we've had. We're recording this in kind of late fall, but uh, we've been blessed with some uh, nice weather. But I think the winter is is soaking in, uh, both here in Connecticut and from what I gather for you in Pennsylvania as well. We were spoiled for a few days, but I think, I, <laughs> I think we it's were. over. Yeah, it's, Indeed we it's, were. Winter's on the way. Yeah. Well, you know, we always like to kind of start the podcast learning a little bit about you and your early years. But, you know, this pandemic is obviously uh, taking some new turns. As we were warned, we're going into the winter season. We've had uh, several days of increasing numbers of cases and hospitalization and death rates. And, you know, how are you holding up personally and professionally during these interesting uh, pandemic times, Kent? Well, it certainly has been an interesting year mm. uh, and quite challenging. I was actually traveling abroad in in February and mm. March and uh, spent some time in Israel and wow. um, returned home thinking that uh, we were running 20, 30% ahead of the prior year. Business was booming. It looked like it was going to be a banner year. And within two weeks of returning home from that trip, we were I was shut down and working from home and just kind of in a whole new reality. So we didn't didn't see that coming. But yeah, we were shut down for six weeks, and um, we were the only state in the union that did not follow the uh, DHS guidelines for what essential businesses were or were not. So 
All of our competitors were open and producing around the country, but in Pennsylvania, all cabinet manufacturing had to be closed. So that was uh, it was a stressful time. And uh, but hey, we we got through it. We started back up six weeks later when we got the green light and worked through our pipeline. And since then, it's been a little choppy, but all things considered, we're we're going to end the year in a pretty good spot considering what we've been through. Awesome. Up against last year, or still a little bit behind? Oh, we'll be behind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were hoping we'd we'd survive, you know, not drop more than thirty percent, but we'll right. be down probably fifteen yeah. percent over last yeah. year. So yeah, All you take six consider. weeks, take yeah. six weeks out of the production schedule. It's um, yeah, and then the pipeline was shut down too of incoming work. So yeah, it it, it definitely takes a we take a hit, but takes again, it's it's going to be okay. Yeah, good deal. And and what about health wise? Your family, your team there at uh, you know Signature Custom Cabinetry. Have you guys had illness? Has there been any issues uh, around the the, the virus? Uh, we've been blessed. Yeah, yeah. We've been blessed. It's we've had a few minor uh, uh, brushes with COVID here on in, in, on campus, but right. um, it's it was a very insignificant um, hit. And family wise, everyone's been doing well. So Great. yeah, it's it's good. Glad to hear it. Well, that's yeah. terrific news. Well, then let's talk about your early years. I, I'd love to hear a little bit about where you grew up and, you know, what your early family life was like. Well, life started for me uh, on a farm, a dairy farm. Oh. My dad was uh, farming the, the family dairy farm. I have a few faint memories. Uh, I was three <laughs> when we moved off of that. Okay. And uh, he started driving truck, did that for the next 20 some years. My oh. mother was a stay-at-home mom. Um, she raised us three boys. I was wow. the oldest of, of three. We had uh, we were all spaced three years apart. So. Oh, goodness. She had her hands full. She did. Yeah, she did. <laughs> and dad was out of town a lot, right? I guess in the trucking business. Was well, he, he out for two or three days at a time? He was home every night. He, oh, he was uh, home every night. Yeah, oh, he hauled, uh, hauled uh, short he worked for a limestone company. He'd get up two, yeah. three o'clock in the morning and head out for the day and be back home for dinner. So yeah, uh, he was yeah. Yeah, home most, almost every night. So And did, did mom uh, go to go to college or did she pretty much get married to your dad soon after high school well, and start the family? Yeah, she was married age 19, but she yeah. did, uh, she, yeah. she was an LPN. Um, All right. So okay. yeah, she went to nursing school and yeah. uh, my dad, uh, Grew up, we grew up in a fairly traditional, conservative uh, Lancaster County, Pennsylvania family. So my dad went through eighth or ninth grade, never did graduate. Then, you know, went to the farm and worked there yeah. as a young yeah. man. So so was college kind of something that was talked about at home? I know that you went to Franklin Marshall and, and you know, it sounds like your, your brothers probably did too. Or was it uh, something that you, you know, kind of experimented with and, and, you know, wasn't really part of the family ethos, so to speak? It was not part of the ethos. In yeah, fact, my yeah. brothers did not. And while I attended Franklin Marshall, right. um, I did not uh, graduate with a degree, not even associates. I wasn't even there for two years. So yeah. most of my college was, uh, or really all of my college was um, more of a, a while working uh, night class type thing. So, right, got it. Yeah. I did those later on. Yeah, if I had to do over again, I would... I would have uh, taken that route, but um, <laughs> is the ethos difference in your in your home with your kids growing up? It is all four yeah. went to college. Yeah. Yeah. All four went yeah. to college. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, generationally, that's always the the kind of the direction as things roll out. Yeah, um, we're both believers. Obviously, uh, you know. Tell me a little bit about you know what role uh, you know kind of the church played. Was it was it something that you discovered later in life, or did you grow up in a in a family that went to church on a regular basis? I grew up in that in that uh, in that setting. My grandfather yeah. was a um, 
a preacher, uh, okay. pastor, a kind of vocational pastor. He was a farmer, but you know, in right. Lancaster County, a lot of these conservative uh, churches, your, your your side job, your side hustle is pastor. So uh, that's <laughs> right, the way it was right. for him. I don't know if you remember that yeah. song. I think maybe Charlie Pride or someone sang "Little White Church in the Dale." In the oh, Dale, yeah. but uh, it reminds me of the church I grew up in. Yeah, it's just a right. little right. small white church out in the country. So got it, got it. And then when did you come to Christ? And you know, what role did he play in your upbringing? Um, I would have been 12 years old. Um, yeah. Um, so again, raised in church and you get to that age and you kind of come to the realization that it's a decision that, uh, that you want to make. And, and, uh, so that would have been around 12 years old. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Sunday school, church, youth group, all that was a big part of my life growing up. And, and mom and dad, you know, what kind of, um, inspiration did they, provide you growing up? Were there certain things that you remembered about work ethic or, you know, maybe the faith that were important, you know, memories or lessons from those early years? Well, yeah, certainly. Um, you know, we grew up, um, my parents were both uh, strong uh, workers. I mean, they, they um, we had a garden in the summertime, you know, mom was yeah. um, stay-at-home mom. So yeah, we grew up in an environment where uh, parents worked hard and and sort of passed that on to us. Where sure. uh, there wasn't a lot of downtime as kids. So, <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah. right. After school chores and all that. Oh yeah, yeah. We we had fun playing too. We it was good yeah. balance, but we definitely were not short on learning how to uh, to handle responsibility. That's for sure. And it, you know, it paid off later in life. Sure. Were you a good student in in uh, elementary and in high school? Oh, I was I was mediocre at best. Um, when I was a, did did well with the things you like to do, I suppose. Yeah, I yeah. I probably yeah. didn't I didn't value education probably till I got to my later years in high mm. school and then sort of uh, began to place a higher value on it. But uh, just to put things in context, when I was heading off to kindergarten, I was begging my parents not to send me. And uh, <laughs> one night. Um, my dad was sitting there paying bills at his desk and I, I was standing next to him. I said, you know, isn't, isn't it possible that you could teach me how to write checks when I grew up, daddy? Uh, <laughs> do I really have to go to school? And I love it. So I, it was not uh, my favorite thing, even yeah. from that young age. Were there, uh, people that uh, inspired you other than mom and dad, you know, uh, youth group leaders at church or maybe coaches or other, other people that had, uh, you know, an early impact on you in your childhood? You know, uh, not uh, well, I had four grandparents. Both of my right. uh, pam- grandparents on both sides of my family were, I knew them well. Um, uh, my first grandparent died when I was around 12 years old. So okay. um, yeah. that was that was certainly a big part of my life. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sports-wise, I was not involved in sports. I actually have a uh, slight case of muscular dystrophy. Oh, okay. If All you right. met me, you would probably not know it unless you spent time right. with me or watched me climb yeah. stairs or something. But because of that, I didn't play contact sports or anything like that sure. in, in school. So. Music, theater, chess, anything else that you pursued? I mean, it sounds like mom and dad probably kept you busy at home after school, right? Yeah, no, we had, uh, we, uh, I did take guitar lessons. So yeah, I had, some, right. had some music. Mom wanted us to play <laughs> piano, but we, 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 we compromised on the guitar. Piano well, you know, you know, your employees are going to be listening to this. So you're going to have to, <laughs> you know, play a song for them, right? You know, that's how, <laughs> what happens with this. <laughs> Wait a minute. You play guitar. I play guitar yeah. too, Kat. <laughs> Maybe I can talk you into editing it that out later when we're done here. <laughs> no way. No way. That's going to okay. What about entrepreneurial things? Were there, you know, mowing the lawns around the neighborhood, the, the ubiquitous paper route? Were there other things that you did to, for extra spending money? Or again, mom and dad keep you busy at home no we did um we, we did have we we raised rabbits uh oh, quite frankly and, and sold them as kids that was kind yeah. of always fun 
Uh, we went on a little bit of a kick for a number of years where we raised uh, cantaloupes and watermelons and you know, these roadside <laughs> stands are a big thing here yeah. in, in our area. Yeah. So sure. Um, in you know late summer, we'd harvest our crop and and uh, sit out by the road and, and sell cantaloupes for a buck a piece or whatever. That's so, great. And how long would you do so. that for? Is that a week or two thing or would that be throughout the fall season? No, that or? would have lasted probably a month, maybe a month and a half, something yeah. like that. Cantaloupe's kind of a summer fruit, isn't it? Right? It is. It, yeah. It come out? Yeah. 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 yeah Midsummer. Yeah. 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 That's fun. Yeah. So yeah, we, we so always... you had a nice garden, it sounds like. Well, it was it was big enough, kept us out yeah. of trouble, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and food on the table as and well. And food on the sure. table, yeah. I love it. What about, you know, kind of early high school years and when you were given college a try, were there, you know, other jobs, part-time jobs you were doing during that period? Yeah, so when I was 12 years old, my uh, maternal grandfather passed away mm-hmm. and he left woodworking equipment behind. Yeah. And there was a uh, shopsmith he had in his shop. Some people might be familiar with. It's a five-in-one woodworking tool that mm. uh, the Shopsmith company used to set up in in malls, shopping malls, yeah. and um, demonstrate, uh, de- you know, demo the the tool. It's a five-in-one, so it had a table saw, a drill press. You would just convert it to whatever it was you wanted to wow. use. So I inherited that at twelve, at yeah. age twelve, and I started tinkering. And and before long, I was building picture frames and gun cabinets wow. and dry sinks. And so that continued up until. In my parents' basement up until age eight, about 18 or, well, 19, I guess. Yeah. Eight, 19, 20, in that range somewhere. Right, right. And and, um, and you you worked actually for a wood specialties company, I think, uh, Conestoga, is that the name? Yeah. Uh, is it pronounced yeah. it? And yeah. was that kind of the first job? Were you, were you doing that when you went to Franklin and Marshall? Or was that before? So my first, um, I did some dishwashing and stuff at a local restaurant right. you know, in high school. Right. And, sure. and, and between my junior and senior year, worked at an Amish cabinet shop oh cool so i learned cabinet making there to some degree when yeah. i graduated high school i had determined i wanted to go to college but I, I i needed a gap year i wasn't quite sure what i wanted to study sure so i was hired at conestoga wood specialties and mm. seven months into my employment there they came down uh, the hr uh we called them personnel managers right, back then right right his name was Gary. Gary came down and, and asked me, in fact, it was the day Reagan was president. It was the day when the space shuttle Challenger blew oh, up. Gosh. Yeah, and so that was yeah. capturing my thinking. And I was, you know, couldn't believe that happened. And right. next thing I know, Gary's standing next to me and he says, um, hey, Ken, he says, would you have an interest in a customer service position if we were to wow. offer you one? Yeah. And the rest of the day, I forgot about the Space Shuttle Challenger, and all I could think about <laughs> was this potential opportunity. So yeah, I did end up awesome. uh, getting that position, and, and then I never I, – I, I loved what I did, and college uh, got pushed to the side yeah. for a while. So And you stayed with them for about six years, right? You had a couple of positions. I was there six or seven years, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would have started in, in uh, 85, 86. I would have went into my customer service role, and then in uh, 89, we started Signature. And I left Conestoga in 92. So I had some right. overlap there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Things were getting up and running. Yeah. So so how interesting that at 12, you know, granddad leaves you some some woodworking tools. You must really have a passion for that. Do you, do you still do, you know, kind of your own kind of private woodworking as well? Has that been something you've continued to do over the years? You know, that's an interesting question uh, with an interesting answer, perhaps. Um, <laughs> 
I've told people many times jokingly that I'm still kind of ticked off that God gave Michael Dell computers and stuck me with cabinetry. <laughs> uh, computers right. were a lot more lucrative. The point in that statement is more about uh, communicating the fact that what I love more than anything is building an organization and growing mm. it. It just yeah. happened that cabinetry and woodworking was what was in my hands at that moment. Right. And so it's not, I wouldn't call it a passion. I enjoyed it back in the day, but it's not something that I, you know, spend time at today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm much more passionate about um, envisioning the future and, and, yeah, yeah, taking signature to the next level and and spending time on that. Well, God gives us different gifts, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. uh, Yeah. We use them at different times. You know, I look back at, I look back in the day when my dad was driving truck and we used to ride with him and I'd say, dad, why don't you buy 10 trucks or or 15 trucks? And yeah, why do you only have one? (laughs) You're still writing those checks, Kent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, it, but looking back, I realized I've been wired for that type of growth and Mm, and visionary thinking uh, ever since I was a little kid. But back then I just, yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, uh, signature cabinets and hear about how that's grown. But let, just talking about a little bit about the early years, you, you were a customer service manager and then you went into sales, I think, as well. I did. Did, did you manage people in those jobs, too, or were you more of an individual contributor when you were at uh, uh, Conestoga? No, I did. I mean, I started out as an individual contributor in the customer right. service, but it wasn't long until I was given leadership to the customer yeah. service team and the order processing group. And awesome. and I was young. I was uh, 22 yeah. years old at that. Really 20s point yeah and managing people uh, much older than you i presume much yeah yeah much yeah. much yeah double how triple. did you do with yeah. that what, what were some of the challenges you faced during those years um you know back then in those days when you're that young you don't know what you don't know and you accept <laughs> that responsibility you sort of are feel invincible and you're motivated by the trust people are placing in you and you plow yeah. forward and i certainly made my share of mistakes but um sure. it uh, and, and learned a lot in the process but um, yeah, it's, it, it was, um, just put one foot in front of the other and, and, and yeah. keep it going. Any specific lessons that you pulled away, um, from those six, seven years that, you know, you've applied, uh, at Signature? Well, there was a lot that I learned in that period. In fact, yeah. you know, I, I say I got my MBA in those early years working for a company. Conestoga at that time was, I'm going to guess in the, I don't remember for sure, but 50 to 65 million range, probably right. in revenue. Pri- privately owned. I privately presume. owned. Yeah, was family, it a family, family, family business? Yep. Or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the owner, uh, Norman Hahn, who's uh, passed away now a few years ago, but right. um, he was someone that I really, we never had a mentor relationship that was formalized, but yeah. he was someone that uh, I admired immensely. Yeah. He was a person of faith. Ethics, morality, mm. the way he ran the company yeah. was was you know out of his core convictions, and it was just always someone that I could sort of look to as a blueprint and pattern after. Mm. And yeah, I learned I learned uh, an infant number of things just in my experience and my time there at that organization. No, would he have no been doubt. a C12 member if C12 existed back in the day? Oh, probably would have been. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Did he live it? I mean, was it a you know would you would you consider that a faith based organization? There? Oh, 100 percent. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. 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 Was that part of the attraction when you joined them or was it more because of the, the woodworking, you know, industry that you were? Well, what, what, what attract, or the reason I ended up there, uh, it was really about a half a mile down the road from where I grew up. So it was a natural spot to, um, sure. to go. I mean, I had other applications out too, but that was a natural company to, to uh, consider working for, for a year. So, yeah. 
Well, Signature has been around for almost 30 years. Congratulations on, on that success. And, you know, you obviously were working, I, I guess they were kind of a competitor, right? I mean, would you consider back in the day that, um, you know, your idea of getting that up and running was competitive to kind of Stoga or were you kind of a different, took a different tack, so to speak? No, it's uh, actually, they're a key supplier. In fact, they're one of our supplier. largest suppliers. So yeah. what kind oh, of would specialty yeah. does is they build cabinet doors. Okay. So, so we, that's a component of what It's a component you, of what we yeah, do. Yeah. Well, so we buy a lot of product from them, a lot nice. of doors. And uh, nice. I always joke that I couldn't hit my sales quota, so I had to start my own company, <laughs> become my own customer just so I could... Uh, yeah, that's obviously not not at all true. But, what was uh, the insight? I mean, what did you kind of, you know, I mean, you were mid-20s at the time, right? I mean, yeah. you, you were still a pretty young man. What, what what kind of motivated you to say, you know, kind of go out of the comfort of a, of a family-led business? Sounds like with someone who may have not have been a designated mentor, but a good boss, a faith-based company. Um, you know, you were there six, seven years. It wasn't like you were a fly-by-night guy. You know, what, tell us a little bit about your thinking around setting up Signature at the time. Did you see a market opportunity? Was it wanting to be an entrepreneur yourself? Were there other motivations? One of the things that I observed early on in my role there in the customer service period was how many, so we had probably three, 4,000 people on our customer list, a lot wow. of small, a lot of larger companies, but a lot of small mom pop type cabinet shops. And what I observed was how many people that um, are, are customers that were, they just, they didn't do a great job at running their organizations. Mm. And it was the, it was those that sort of inspired me to think again, as a young invincible uh, man, that if they can make it work, certainly I can do it better. <laughs> and that sort of became the impetus for, um, for me mustering up the courage to say, yeah, I, Again, if they can make this work, certainly I can make it work too, and right. and, and probably right. do it much better. And and that's sort of what planted the seeds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and as you set it up, then you uh, did did you do it with the the CEO's uh, blessing of of Conestoga, or was it kind of a side business before things got underway? How did how did that transition take place? So my brother, who I said earlier is three years behind me, my, right. my second brother uh, was graduating from high school. And he was working with me on the part-time side hustle, you know, in, in the wood shop that right. I was doing evenings and weekends. Sure. And I said, you know, I think, I think we can do this full time. Why don't, instead of you um, going off and getting a job somewhere else, why don't we start a, a, a cabinet company? So that's when Signature yeah. was officially born. Yeah. And he was the yeah. first employee. He worked by himself wow. for one year. I was there evenings and weekends, but during the day he was by himself. Yeah. One year later, we started hiring people and, yeah. um, Hired one of my best friends, and um, he is uh, actually still with us today. He's our, our longest-term uh, employee managing our wow. plant. That's great. So the rest, as they say, is history. The rest now. is history. Yeah. I joined about yeah. four years later as a full-time when I resigned wow. at Conestoga. And yes, Norman, the Han family knew what I was doing, and it was yeah. full disclosure. And um, you know, he when I left, he pulled me aside and said, "Hey, I'm, I'm sad to see you go. We'd love to have you here, but." Certainly, uh, bless you and what you're doing. Yeah. I wish you the well, and I'm glad that you're at least going to be a good customer of ours. If if You've we done, can't have you here, so it was yeah. it was all good yeah. relationship. Yeah. What about brother number three? Did he come knocking at the door from looking for a job at some point? Yeah, he was here for a number of years. Um, <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, he awesome. worked for us for about oh, probably about ten years or so. So yeah. 
All right. So Kent, tell me a little bit about how lessons from, you know, Conestoga kind of played into how you set up your management structure at Signature. Were there, you know, things that you saw there that you decided you kind of wanted to run things differently? Or how did that kind of play out um, when you, you got things going at the Signature? Because it was a couple of years, right, until you came in full time. Yes, it, it was. I, it was about four years before I came full time uh, into my role at Signature. So when we started Signature, it was a you know one two man shop. By the time I joined Signature right. full time, we had ten or twelve people. I think I might have been the twelfth full time employee wow. um, in our organization. So uh, we were a lot smaller than than the company I'd worked for. Being yeah, sure. you know, they had factories in other states, and um, so it was a much bigger organization. Right. However, I used to I used to create production schedules and strategic planning things, and I think my brother and others in the organization that were working close with me thought I was kind of crazy and, you know, <laughs> create this big company feel in this little, you know, 10 or 12 man shop. Right. But it really did uh, help me to understand how to structure an organization and how to set things up and move and grow yeah. into it. For instance, yeah. when I was in the sales role, I worked closely with hiring and, and managing independent sales reps. So, right. um, you know, that helped me figure out um, how do you, hire and onboard and, yeah. and manage uh, independent sales reps, which we, yeah. we, you know, we've done over the years and right. how to establish credit policies and, and uh, just all those types of things that mm. I could go on and on of, uh, with the list of all the different things that, you know, I was able to learn and benchmark and, and bring with me Great from my experience yeah. there. Yeah, it was yeah. incredible. Awesome. And, and how many employees today, Ken? We have about 130 people here wow. today. Yeah, that's great. And you supply nationally, internationally? We do have a national footprint. Uh, we right. sell specifically to uh, a network of independent designers and deal, dealer, de dealers, as we call them, right? and that carry our product. Um, and yeah, we have the largest concentration of our, of our uh, customer base would be between Boston and D.C. here in the Northeast. Wow. Wow. But then we go all the way down the East Coast into Florida and all the way out to California, Seattle, wow. and a lot in between. So fantastic. And that growth's of, of course come, you know, over the years. I assume you probably started regionally first, right? And serving the local area. Was that kind of how things evolved? Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. We um started selling right here in our backyard and just over the years would grow and expand. And and in some cases it was intentional where we went next. In other cases, opportunity would would pop up and, and sure. we'd seize it. So Sure. Wonderful. Yeah. And, and are your brothers involved in ownership as well? Is it a hundred percent? Do you have outside partners? Kind of how are you structured uh, along that way? So right now I'm the sole owner. Um, okay. In 2013, I bought them out. So okay. uh, yeah, um, <clears throat> Devon was just ready for something different. Yeah. And um, had done this all his life. And and uh, the recession was was a brutal, um, sure. a brutal experience. We actually took the company and essentially cut it in half in a matter of about six months. Wow. Um, yeah. Tough. So in 06, we hit our, we had hit our peak sales and in 09, it was, it was half of what, it, what, what yeah. it was, but the real, that real, um, even though the 06 was a peak, 07, 08, we're off slightly, but between right. 08 and 09, it was, it was a brutal ride. Down. Brutal time. So, yeah. 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 Real tough. And, and today, um, second generation coming along, any of your progeny uh, getting involved in the business? Will this be something that will, you know, continue to be a, a family run business over time or, or too early to tell it? That remains to be seen. Um, <laughs> right. My, right. our youngest two are in college, our oldest two are married. We have uh, four grandchildren. Oh, so, um, and our son, our oldest son does work here with us in the sales and marketing side. Right, so, right. um, whether or not it becomes a, a family business or not, uh, in the next generation, we'll see. 
too early to tell. My goal is not to place any obligation whatsoever on any of our children. I want them to pursue whatever it is that God has in mind for them and follow their dreams and skills. And so, yeah, time will tell. Yeah, I've got a 30-year-old as well. And he, he hints it every now and then about wanting to get into search. And yeah. he's a mechanical engineer in a very different business. And son, you know, pursue your dream. <laughs> keep, Amen. Keep making, you know, renewable batteries for a while. Yeah. Like the company, you know, the country needs and the, the world needs more of that than potentially more recruiters. But yeah. uh, we'll see. I know he's coming out for Thanksgiving, so we'll have a chance to talk a little bit more about that. So professional management team, I mean, how, how are you kind of structured in that regard? Has it been people that you've been kind of homegrown up through the organization? Have you gone outside to, you know, competitors and brought in talent? How did you kind of build that out over time? Yeah, that's a great question. So when we were um, about 10 years, uh, 10 years into it, we were growing at that point between 25 and 30% a year. Wow. And we were approaching that $10 million mark. And um, I just, I knew that if this was going to continue, we needed to bring in people that had been there, done that experience. So I actually reached out to my boss who had uh, who I had worked for at Conestoga. Yeah. He had left a couple of years before okay. and had moved on. And um, But I knew where he had went. The company was in our industry, but they were not thriving. And I had mm. a hunch that <laughs> that he might be open to a, a different um, yeah. a different idea. So I reached out to him and and after a couple of months of recruiting and conversation, we um, he agreed to join oh, our team. Oh, that's awesome. He came on your team. Wow. And at that same time, he had referenced uh, somebody who he had known at the company he was at again, had left and moved on. But uh, he said, you know, this gentleman's probably, he's unemployed right now and, and taking some time away just to convalesce. But he said, you know, he's probably potentially looking, you might want to reach out to him as well and think, I can't hire two people at this level uh, <laughs> to form an executive team. But yeah. um, at the end of the day, it worked out. We did hire both of them in 1999. Wow, cool. And in the next seven years, we tripled the size of the organization. Wow. In Fantastic. that run up into 2006, where we peaked. What a strategic move, right? And would you account it really because of bringing the industry people in and yeah. Helping to form Absolutely. your strategies. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. things like just HR policies and 401k yeah. plans all the way down to just, you know, infrastructure and in, within the operation, just in so many levels, um, having that experience and that, that, um, the, the talent and, and what that represented and allowed us to grow oh, it was just tremendous. And that's awesome. These gentlemen were 10 to 15 years older than I was. So yeah. yes, yeah. I was the president of the company, but I was learning a lot. <laughs> um, it was Maybe a bit of a rare uh, situation, that, um, in the sense that they were able to mentor me while while reporting yeah. to me at the same time. But it yeah. was it was yeah. a tremendous opportunity. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. So fantastic. now today, um, um, we have a VP of marketing, VP of sales, and a mm-hmm. VP of uh, operations that all report directly to me. And that's right. my three direct reports. Yep. And everyone else rolls up under them in in, right. in some direct or indirect way. And are they industry uh, people, or are they also people that homegrown came up through the organization? One is homegrown; it came up through yep. Signature. That's Fantastic. our VP of marketing, yeah. and um, right. our VP of operations uh, actually worked with me at Conestoga, so Love I knew it. him there. That's I great. trained him in customer service, so yep. he yep. he came up through the industry, in a sense, homegrown. Our CFO um, came in from the outside, and right. um, Got it. So good the uh, the one that 
the CFO that joined back in 99, retired after 17 years. And okay. um, Peter, who's now with us, uh, came on in 2017 yeah, and uh, has been doing a great job. He was in venture capital and had some um, CEO, C-suite experience as well. Yeah. Um, so cool. it's, uh, it's it's been a good, a good. good team. Great, yeah, a great good combination. Mix. Great, yeah. Well, looking back to Conestoga and, you know, when you first started managing those people that were probably twice your age, mm-hmm. right, in some uh, instances. Or more, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. more, right? Yeah. And, and your leadership today, obviously, you know, 25, 30 years later, how would you say it's evolved? You know, what, what are some of the key changes that you've, you know, kind of implemented in your leadership style over that period, Kent? That's a, yeah, that's a good question. Maybe kind of tough to answer. Um, there was a point probably 10 years or so ago where I sort of slowly started to, in my mind, transition from learning um, and feeling like I was the young, youngest guy in the room mm, Yeah. to transitioning. I got to be careful how I say this because you, we never stop learning and we never think that we know it all and have it all figured out. But transitioning to a bit of a different mindset where it's more now about me sharing the experiences that I've had over the years and, and sowing, sowing seeds into, you know, younger, the younger generation and, and, Mm. and being open and intentional and and willing to, to not just think about myself as a sponge learning, but while, while continuing to learn also giving back and being willing to, to think more intentionally about how to, yeah. share what I've learned over the years and, and pass it on. I like the sponge analogy because, you know, we, we do spend a lot of our early years, you know, being that dry sponge, right? And sucking stuff up. And then it, it kind, of, kind of comes a time where it's time to squeeze a little bit out and share that around. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and culture-wise, I mean, you know, obviously you've built this company from scratch. You've got, you know, well into the hundreds of employees. You've got worldwide, nationwide, and possibly some stuff that goes overseas as well. How, how would you kind of describe your company culture? And, you know, what's, what's, what's kind of unusual or unique about Signature? One of the things that I've been blessed with throughout the entire, you know, 30 years that we've been doing this is to have the opportunity to have people come on board that, share the same values, share the mm. same perspectives. Again, yeah. it's not that we all agree on everything exactly the same, but generally speaking, um, we share um, the same value system. And out of that has built, has uh, developed a culture that has attempted to put people first. Mm. Um, we have, um, our, our mission or our vision is to build a great company that honors God and serves people. Yeah. Uh, greatness to us. Uh, when you say that, you have to define well. What does that mean exactly? Um, right. To us, greatness is living within our core values and behaving within our value system, mm. and um, being able to live to our full God-given potential yeah. uh, within the organization to serve other people. That's kind of how we consider. It. If, if we're all doing that well here within the organization, then that we're able to. Um, we, we think that's what defines greatness. That's great. And is that kind of a stated um, mission or value statement that you mm-hmm. share with new employees and, you know, people that are interviewing for the company or something on the website? It is. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, awesome. it's not on the front page of the website, but it's not yeah. hidden either. It's, it's there. Becomes a good sorting device, doesn't it? You know, if you, you put that out there and, you know, you know, folks that um, perhaps it's, it, 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 it moves people away from you and that's okay. Um, and I'm sure it attracts others as well that are like-minded. 
Yeah, um, I'm certainly the the honor God piece. Um, that's a personal, uh, yeah. you know, whether you believe or don't or, or how you feel yeah. about that, that's a personal thing. But I think everybody can, or at least every decent human being can uh, at least get around the idea that serving others and, you know, um, and there's so many different ways to uh, define what serving means, right. but just right. doing good by others, whether it's um, treating people in your in the workplace with honor and respect, or whether it's actually going out and and helping those in need, there's just a broad way of of approaching and defining that. Yeah. But yeah. everybody can, um, or at least hopefully, get their head around that and say, "Yeah, I want to be part of that, or I can contribute to that in some level." Sure. So, sure. It's yeah. Awesome. And if not, well, that's that's a good screening. Yeah, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No, those are those are important. I always try to advise my, you know, recruiting clients. You know, the more you can tell somebody about who you are <laughs> and the yeah. cultural piece becomes so important. You know, it, it works both ways. It's a it's a good filter. Uh, it'll certainly steer people away that aren't particularly aligned maybe with the culture that you have that, that hopefully also attract folks that, you know, certainly believe in the same things that you do. You know, we you were know, talking I, at an offsite just recently, yeah. just a couple of days ago, and we were talking about our culture and what makes Signature unique, kind right. of doing that SWOT analysis, strength, right, weakness, right. opportunity, threats. Yeah. And one of one of our uh, managers, uh, so we have four in the executive team, myself and my three report sure. direct reports, but then yeah. there's another seven people that make up the broader management team. So we were all mm. together, all 11 of us. And we were talking about uh, strengths and weaknesses, opportunities and threats. And, and we were talking about our culture and what makes us unique. And this one gentleman said, you know, um, one of the things that makes Signature unique is adults act like adults. Mm. And nice. they went on to say, there's no politics, there's no drama. And when I hear other people that I'm acquainted with in my peer, you know, in, in, my, in my peer groups or whatever that talk about their experiences at work. And I said, it's amazing some of the drama and just yeah. craziness oh, yeah. that, that you get caught up in. Yeah. And he says, there's, you know, there's no politics here. It's, it's just a very safe nice. uh, place to work. So yeah. from my, as I sat there and listened to that, it, it affirms that, okay, it's, we have a culture here that we want to protect. It certainly isn't perfect, but right. there's a lot of good things that have come out of this over the years. And it's just a testament to the team that's here and how well we work together. So. Well said. I feel very well blessed. Said. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have grown tremendously. You, you've probably been involved in a lot of the hiring, maybe not so much today. I know you you certainly would, if anyone, God forbid, leaves your uh, executive team, you'd be involved in that. But, but you know, you probably get involved maybe a level two below the organization, you know, give them maybe a whole lot of time. You count on your people to do the screening, whether it's your HR, or the direct managers. But, you know, when you get involved in those types of discussions and you maybe have 15 or 20 minutes with a new promising manager or senior manager that might be coming in, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in? That's a great question. I I would tend to focus on, and I do focus on, um, probing or, or 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 looking for emotional intelligence, values, and culture yeah. fit. Yeah, the other stuff can all be taught and can be learned over right. time. Right, but it's 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 looking for people that have a heart to serve others that are, put people first that can demonstrate mm. at least some level of empathy to others around them. And um, that emotional intelligence piece, uh, emotional health is just so critically important yeah. to how having you, a How do you get at team. that? Are there specific questions you ask, Kent? Or do you kind of do open-ended to kind of see what they say in situations? You know, because that's, that's key, so key to get at. And, you know, but it's hard to sometimes ask, right? 
It is. Uh, there are questions you, you can use to probe for that and things that we've honed that I've honed over over time. But I'll tell you, I'm going to put a plug in here for a company called Bartel Bartel out in State mm-hmm. College. But yeah. they do an assessment. It takes about, well, it takes a couple of hours to complete it. Um, and and so um, they set you up online. So if we have a couple of candidates that were- um, Oh, you use them. Yeah. We use them ah. to to do this assessment. It's about- It's great. I think it's about 900 bucks per person. Yeah. Is it but kind I'm, of like a DISC? Is it a behavioral or motivational type of test? They or? do incorporate some of the yeah. DISC test yeah. into the assessment itself, but it cool. is a wide ranging probe right. of, of, and when when that's done- it's all done online, and mm-hmm. when the when the candidate is done with it, then they take it and put it into a report out format and spend an hour per person wow. with yeah, you know, I'll say me if I'm the hiring manager, yeah, yeah. and are able to um, walk me through that report, or maybe it's profile. two or three reports yeah. if there's several right. candidates we're considering right. through that profile, and it's amazing. I actually. Great. Actually, after we put our CFO through it, so several of our CFO candidates, when we hired Peter, I called back to them and I said, okay, the hiring's all done. That's all behind us now. Um, I want to take that test myself so I know what we're putting these people through. <laughs> and then I want you to give me Good that one you. hour report out. Wow. Good for you. And it was amazing. Yeah. Because I know myself. Right. It was amazing what that report out revealed about yeah, me yeah, just through wow. that, that thing. So it's become awesome. a go-to tool. A lot yeah. of the, I serve on several nonprofit boards and, and, and actually some for-profit boards and um, a lot of people started using it and, and it's, it's um, $900 a person. If you have multiple candidates, you know, you might sound like it's a, a, a bit expensive, but I'll tell you what. Getting those it's a big top part key of the hires decision. right. Yeah, yeah. A- it's... absolutely. You know, I use it in my recruiting. I, I tell my clients up to 25, 30% of the decisions should be made on assessments. 100%. Because it's so hard, so hard to get information out of interviews. And, yeah. and I'm glad you've taken it too, because I always have my CEO clients, some of them in their 60s and 70s, oh, come on, Brand, we can't do this. I said, listen, if you want me to really do my job, I got to know you as well as I got to know, you know, the people we're trying to hire for you, because yeah. it is about fit. And, yeah. you know, the company CEO or the founder, the owner, is pretty much the culture of the company. That's right. right. You know, yeah. In so many ways, it drives it. Well, Kent, this has been delightful, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you and, and Signature and the work you've done there. And we're, we're almost out of time, but I always have a couple of last questions. And, you know, it's hard to ignore the pandemic. You know, we're in mid-February, mid-February. I wish we were mid-February. We're mid-November now, and we're going into what appears to be a pretty difficult time. And, you know, it's all the spiking is happening, et cetera. What, what, what changes do you see ahead? Do you see changes in your business? I mean, people are going to always need cabinets. It's probably one of those things that, you know, we'll, we'll have. So, you know, certainly you'll continue to experience growth and generate the great products, but do you see changes in your workforce? Are there going to be impacts that you see longer term with this? Or, you know, do you kind of think, well, gosh, Pfizer's got a 90% effective vaccine. Let's just get that out to everybody as soon as possible and go back the way we were living, you know, six, nine months ago. You know, this is a great question. And as I as I pondered this, you know, what's this pandemic going to mean going forward? I've kind of looked to 9-11 as, uh, mm. a, as a, uh, a place for clues. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, in many ways, um, it did change certain things in, in you know, flying and travel yeah. and yeah. Yeah. certainly, um, you know, uh, safety protocols, security protocols, I should say. There's, there's definitely cockpits, been some long-term. TSA. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know what? Yeah. Um, I think we've sort of 
gotten back in many ways to normal as mm. a society. And yeah. Um, yeah. and I expect that there will be some systemic mm. long-term change uh, with this right. pandemic. It will affect us to some degree. But I think once the the danger has passed, and right. whether that's a vaccine or whatever it is that that um, that that's now part of our history, and it's you know we right. move beyond it three four years, I'm guessing there's going to be a lot more return to normal than maybe what it feels sure. like there might be at this moment. Right. But I masks think may not go away, right? You know, masks may come out every flu season. They right? may, yeah. That's, you know, it's that, interesting. I, mm-hmm. I, I was reading about Japan, you know, because they got hit pretty hard with it, but they yeah. already had a culture. Yes. of wearing masks during the flu season. And yeah. They had a very, very low incidence rate. And, yeah. You know, yeah I've been I don't know about you. I've gotten used to them. You know, they were a little obtrusive at first, but, um, you know. I'm still I'm healthy. still working on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on it. We're getting there. Uh, yeah, we're getting there. Well, thank you, Kent. That's great. Well, one last question. And, and you know, this, we ask this of all our CEO guests. You know, what kind of career and life advice would you give to someone who maybe has their eyes in the corner office or perhaps wants to be an entrepreneur like yourself? You know, maybe working for another company in the industry, they'd like to set up a, a company in someday. And what would you tell, you know, that person maybe 15, 20 years behind you in their career? Another great question, Brant. You're good at this. Um, I do it for a living, Ken. Yeah, so it's not well, fair, really. It's, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. You know, I just uh, uh, had a, a recording done through Zoom for uh, where I addressed some students at Karen University right, right. earlier this week, I believe it was. And I, I give the, I give the same answer here. I, I gave them because this a similar type question came up. Mm. Um, you know, everyone going into business hears about you got to have a business plan. Uh, you need to have a vision and a mission. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to make sure you're not undercapitalized because one of the number one reasons startups fail is for lack of capital. That's right. Yeah. And, and that stuff is all true. It's 100% true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I don't diminish any of that. But what I would tell a young person or anybody starting out and in, in wanting to grow a company in, 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 into a leadership role, you have to learn to lead yourself before you can lead others effectively. Right. Right, right. Um, you have to be able to know who you are. What mm-hmm. are your blind spots? Um, what are your What are your weaknesses? Where do you need to be aware of how you interact with people when conflict arises? Um, you know what? What are those things? Those vices you have that maybe you don't even aware of it. You know, your spouse will tell you what they are if, if you're married. Uh, your <laughs> an kids, assessment, your family, <laughs> an assessment can pull that out. Yeah, but yeah. and it's it can be hard work, and it's yeah. often sometimes you know being vulnerable is being willing to hear and accept things that that are uncomfortable. That's right. Um, That's but right. if if the leaders who can develop an emotional intelligence and emotional health mm-hmm. and understand who they are, you're so much better positioned than to provide leadership to other people, and mm-hmm. and you're and you're gonna you're gonna stand out uh, amongst your peers. Uh, and those around you. So that that would be my two cents. Yeah, uh, it took me it took me thirty years or so to learn that. Um, <laughs> That's all right. That's it, a good lesson. It takes time, but um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like now that it, I'm in my mid fifties, this time I can actually get started. And I wish I could back up and do some of this over again and see, <laughs> see where I could get to. That's the beauty of age. It's the beauty wisdom. of age. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ken Martin, President and CEO of Signature Custom Cabinetry, thank you so very much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you, Brant, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. 
For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the Mighty Middle Market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.